Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh and so glad to be sharing good news with you. As a matter of fact, we have really good news with regard to anybody who's ever gone through a tough time, which is everybody raises their hand, <laughs> you know. Um, sometimes, you know, when it rains, it pours. And it seems like um, that, that great line from uh, Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof, where he's uh, maybe you remember the story this is a poor you know dairy farmer who has five daughters and uh, basically they use the story of this traditional uh, jewish family against the backdrop of soviet occupation and uh, it's just it's a it's a tender story it's got some great songs to it uh, while one uh, daughter marries the guy in the arranged you know kind of uh, he's a kind of a dweeby tailor type and uh one woman marries a guy who's a kind of a, a, a preacher and a radical and one runs off with a Russian soldier. It's, 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 you know, you remember the whole story. But in the uh, in one of the scenes, uh, Tevya is, uh, instead of uh, leading his, uh, his donkey, or his mule, I guess, uh, with the cart behind it, um, right, maybe it's his cow. That's right, <laughs> because the line is, today I'm a milk cow. The cow breaks down uh, and, and isn't able to carry the cart, so Tevya is carrying the cart. And at one point, I don't know if it's that, that scene or another one, but he says, God, I know we are your chosen people, but every now and again, couldn't you just choose somebody else? And it always makes me chuckle, I think, because we've all been there, right? We all know what it's like to go through hardship. And as my friend and mentor, Dr. Jim Burns says, um, crisis is self-defined. So I was reading with great interest of a ministry leader who had gone through open heart surgery recently, and he was uh, he gone to his heart went into AFib, a fibrillation. Uh, it was out of rhythm, it was out of sync, and uh, his wife had gone to social media and was posting all sorts of rather hysterical postings. Please pray for my husband, etc., etc., etc. And I remembered back five and a half years ago when I went through my open heart surgery and had my bicuspid aortic valve replaced with a bovine valve so i've got a little cow valve going on right now and then a piece of dacron uh to replace my ascending aortic uh valve there or the the the, the little tube that brings the blood from the valve into back into the bloodstream again um i there was an aneurysm there and that if that had burst i could have had what was called an aortic, aortic dissection and i might have bled out and fortunately, doctors caught it in time, did the surgery, replaced both pieces. I'm still here five and a half years later, uh, much to the delight of some people and the chagrin of others, I would imagine. But the uh, immediately after surgery, I was released from the hospital March the 17th. I literally went home. I watched Tamara, my producer, Tamara Comito, who was Tamara Hammond at the time, uh, marry the love of her life, Javier Comito. And um, my, my pastor at the time, Leland Lance, did the ceremony for them because I was supposed to do it. And I was sitting in a hospital bed <laughs> with, with my chest all stitched together. But, you know, in all honesty, it was Tamara's insistence that I have the surgery on March 12, 2018 and not March 19th. I told her I would have been happy to have done uh, her, their ceremony and then gone in the following Monday for the surgery. And she said, no, you have to have it right away. And after they performed the surgery, uh, my doctor confirmed with my oldest daughter, Emily, that if they had waited another week, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So she knew, God knew, everybody knew. So, um, And they're still happily married and just enjoying life. But uh, I, I think about the, uh, you know, the, the, the chosen people line from Fiddler on the Roof and realize there are a lot of people just going through it. 
they're going through some really tough times right now. Uh, we have people who are part of the Bottom Line Show family who are really going through just difficult struggles. And these are times when you ask the question, God, why do we have to suffer like this? And yet it's interesting because as more and more people are asking that question, they're getting answers. And the answer, first and foremost, is, hey, guess what? I mean, you're going through this because this is how you are refined. I mean, if you've, if you've ever been around a blacksmith, or I know here in Southern California, uh, the Sawdust Festival, Laguna Beach is still going on. You ever gone down and watched the glass blowing that happens? Isn't that something? I mean, it's, just, it's amazing. I mean, but when you think about what happens to the materials, to get the shape that they want for the glass, to it has to stay liquid but hot, but then it has to be molded and shaped. And then what happens? Then, you know, after the glass is blown, as it were, or the, uh, I think the pottery, the, the, the term, the, the actual official artistic term for pottery is pottery is thrown. You take the clay and you mold it, you know, and remember we all know the hymn song, you are the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me in your own special way. The, the whole idea with the potter and the clay is that you spin around at a wheel, you, you spin the clay around while the, the potter, the master uh, artist, is uh, shaping and molding and uh, pushing out all the air bubbles and smoothing out all the rough spots. And then what happens? Then you go into the fire. It's called a kiln. And you are in that kiln for as long as you need to be until you cool off. And then you're a beautiful pot. You're, you're, you're wonderful. You're the way God intended you to be. But up until that point, the whole process isn't terribly appealing to a lot of us in the body of Christ, is it? We really aren't, uh, you know, we're, we're, we want to be the finished product. We want to be that piece of art on the shelf or in the museum or in the gallery or whatever. We don't want to have to go through that muddy, sticky, clumpy, awkward phase where you get put on the spinning wheel and then whipped around and molded and shaped and if you can imagine the art, uh, the clay, if you will, trying to jump off the wheel, and then the artist has to bring you back up and do it again. I mean, we are living works of art that God is molding. And so, and remembering that we're being molded for eternal life, not just for this life. Uh, dear friends have a daughter who's going through cancer right now. Cancer treatment was brutal. It was effective in terms of uh, getting rid of the cancer, but it also kind of went scorched earth on her body. And she's been through a lot. She's in her 30s. And I think to myself, you know, this is wild. Why? Do, I mean, that was my prayer that morning when I got the text, you know, saying she's going through this and we don't know how many more months she has left to live. And that was my question was, God, why, God, why does she have to suffer like this? And then I began to realize, hey, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I remember being in high school and learning this lesson initially, and it was just on something dumb and selfish. Um, I ran cross-country and track for a couple of years and when I was in high school. I did cross-country because I wanted to get in shape to go out for the baseball team or the tennis team. I went out for both and didn't make either. But after a couple of years of running cross-country and track, I decided that I wanted to uh, move into something. You know, I wanted to get a job, make some money. Right? I can assure you I didn't save any of the money that I made working at the fast food. Derweeter Stitzel on 1st Street. Uh, that El Camino Real location right there in Tustin. I worked there for a couple of years. Loved the food, liked the people, hated the uniforms. And uh, I, I, that the summer between my junior and senior year where all my friends were, were going to the beach and having fun and hanging out and being kids, I worked 40, 45, 50 hours a week. And if, if I have a regret from my high school years, it's that I don't remember that summer at all because I worked so much. And the memories that could have been made because... 
but I was working. I was indoors. I the more hours I got, the better. I thought a big mistake. I never should have done that, and I wouldn't have done that again. I would have advised having a more balanced approach, you know, to the working life. But there was a time during that point where I could have continued to run track and cross country, and I opted not to. I thought, well, you know, I haven't made the varsity by the time I hit my junior year. I'm not even going to do it. And uh, I remember watching a, a guy who was a couple years ahead of me who stayed with it and stayed with it. In his senior year, he finally he went out for track. He found an event he was good at. He was a, an okay cross-country runner. He was a very well-balanced guy. And he went out and earned his varsity letter. I remember being at the track banquet that year as a sophomore and watching him say, I got my varsity letter. And I thought, well, that's silly. You can only wear the jacket for a month. I mean, then we're out of school, right? Talk about being short-sighted. I never once thought about how beneficial it would have been to look back now in my 60s and say, I earned a varsity letter, you know. But that's that's what youth is all about, right? It's amazing how many people today spend so much time focusing on the right now that they forget about the eternal reward, the long-term benefit. And we've seen this in Generation Z. Uh, Generation Z, which is young adults, are like ages 13 to 25. Um, they are definitely less religious and less engaged in scripture than their older counterparts. But I was pleasantly surprised to see, this is the American Bible Society's State of the Bible USA 2023 report. Uh, Generation Z is currently defined, by the way, as anybody who was born in 1997 or later. Um, I have a couple of kids who were born prior, they were like 94, 95, but they're definitely Generation Z in the way they think. The newest installment took a look at uh, Generation Z as compared to older adults. A higher share of respondents in Generation Z identify as agnostics, atheists, or none of the above, 34% than older generations. But here's the thing, 58% of Generation Z still profess faith in Christ. And about half of the members of Generation Z agree with the statement, quote, the, Bible of, the message of the Bible has transformed my life of members of Generation Z between the ages of 18 and 21, 49% agree that the Bible has had a transformative effect. Once you get to ages 22 through 26, that number jumps to 52%. Now, Generation Z has the lowest percentage of uh, use among all the major uh, generations, but I was encouraged by the fact, I mean, we've heard that you know Generation Z is all transgender and they're all confused and they really don't have any footing to find that 49% of those ages 18 to 20, 49, excuse me, 18 to 21, say the Bible's message is transformative and 52% in ages 22 to 26. I think it's encouraging. And it's amazing when you think about when younger people wind up uh, making a profession of faith, you have to ask the question, well, how is that going to impact them long-term? On the other side of this break, we have a Good News Friday story. It's an encouraging one about finding God in the midst of tragedy. Jeannie Levitt, is, or Jenny Levitt, rather, is my guest. And we're going to talk about a book that she wrote last year about someone who has survived stage four cancer only to then discover that an even worse nightmare is coming true and a drunk driver collided you know, with a car that was being... Uh, uh, driven by her two sons and her 17 year old son is dead and her 19 year old son is clinging to life 
Uh, she writes about it in her book called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God in the Chat Shattered Pieces of Life. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jenny Levitt joins me next as The Bottom Line continues. Today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to talk about tragedy. We're going to talk about triumph. We're going to talk about how God makes himself available to us and also reveals himself to us sometimes in the tougher places of life. Jenny Levitt is a pastor's wife and an author who's written a fascinating book called God Prince. It's a true story, finding evidence of God in the shattered pieces of life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jenny Levitt, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much for having me. Tough enough being a pastor's wife, but then having the ministry that you have, and I say that you know, kind of in air quotes, because I think most of us would agree that some of the most effective ministries come from the times of life where we really, you know, it's like, God, can you just kind of get me to the head of the line? Do I really have to go through this trauma or two, <laughs> quite frankly, as a cancer survivor, mm -hmm. and also as a mom who uh, uh, you describe yourself as a reluctant expert on sorrow. Uh, talk about what led you to say, okay, it's tough enough to have gone through a couple of situations that I've gone through, but I really need to tell this story because I think other people need to hear it. They'll be blessed by it. Yeah, we, um, w well, in a nutshell, we lost our 17-year-old son um, in a drunk driving accident in 2015, oh, and so we sorry. almost lost our oldest son, Caleb. Um, mm. And we have been through, you know, some really hard times in our, in our lives anyway. I'm also a stage four cancer survivor. Um, but since we've lost Jacob, there's a new compassion, I guess, a deeper compassion for other people that have um, also lost children, especially, but really any loss. And it's just one of those things that the more people we meet, the more we realize that the need for hope and encouragement that God can see you through, no matter what mm -hmm. you're going through, that the mm -hmm. need is just so great. And as much as we would long to just sit down and, you know, have lunch with every person we meet that, that, um, is going through this, they really need more than that. And, um, mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I decided to go ahead and write the book so we could try to en encourage people that there, there is hope on the other side and you can, you can actually grow um, and become a better person through it. Yeah. If, you know, if you, if you allow the process to, to heal you the right way, allow God to step in and, and help you. You know, I, I marvel at uh, the, the, courage that you have shown and your husband as well to endure these things, because it seems like there are a whole generation of people who are losing their resilience. I'm actually uh, uh, working with a, uh, a friend of mine who's a uh, clinical psychologist who said during the last recession, 2008, as he was doing his internship, he saw a number of people who were dealing with the fact that they had been in the financial world, they lost their job, they kind of lost their focus, and they really lost their purpose in life. And it seems like when, you know, you as a pastor's wife and a mom uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer, that's enough of a wake up call to say, wow, that's going to rattle my cage. T talk about what it was like, what, what kind of physical and emotional state you were in when the accident happened, because you had been a survivor of stage four cancer at that point, had you not? I had. Yeah. Um, thank God. I've been I've been clear since November of 1998. I've had awesome. um, quite a few scares since then. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, the last several years, the farther I get out, it's all related to long-term effects of the, the radiation and the chemo, really. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Our son who passed away, Jacob, asked me one time, Mom, why would they cure cancer with something that they know causes cancer? 
And I remember telling him, well, you know, at the time, Jacob, I had a 25% chance of making it. So it's not Mm -hmm. like we had a whole lot of options. We had to do what we had to do, and at least I'm alive, you know, all these years later. Um, But, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned resilience because Caleb and I, the son that did survive, maybe a couple of years ago, we were talking about um, uh, he he frequently has people – say similar things to him because he, I like, I, I really have to start at the top of his head and work down to try to remember all of his injuries because he almost died as well. Um, traumatic brain injury, fractured C7 that sliced through his, one of his veins in his neck, Mm. um, broke his left leg, broke his right arm, broke his pelvis in three places, lacerated his liver. Like he, he's a miracle. Mm -hmm. And when people hear his story, they'll ask him about it. And a couple of years ago, he was telling me, Mom, I just don't get it. Like, what is our other option to just curl up in a corner somewhere and cry and never go out and face the world? At some point, we have to learn from it, grow, and continue to live. And I said, mm, son, there are some people that they're just, they're never the same. They're mm-hmm. a shell of themselves or... They don't process it right. We have met people since then that tw- you would think their loss was last week, and you find out it was 17 years ago or 20 yes. years ago. And mm-hmm. um, you know, and so we, we as a family have chosen that we, if we were going to go through something like that, we want God to get the glory from it. We want to help other people because we've had people come alongside us and help us. Um, you know, and in that same conversation with Caleb, he was he was thinking back to even just 100, 200 years ago in our nation alone, um, you know, when plagues and fevers would sweep through and right. people, life didn't stop. They had to learn to process it and go on, you know, and live. And I think you're right. That is becoming, I don't know, a lost art maybe in, in our yeah. society, especially where people are turning to all these other things and finding that it's not meeting that, that core need that, yeah, you know, that need for something tangible to hold on to. Yeah. It's amazing. Jenny Levitt is my guest today here on the bottom line, L E A V I T T. If you're Googling along with us at home, we have a link for her book up at the bottom It's called God prints, finding evidence of God in the shattered pieces of life. And toward that point about resilience. So just want to make this point before we move on, because I remember listening to an interview with Dick Van Dyke, who was going through, uh, you know, infidelity, alcoholism, and yet he was teaching Sunday school at his local church. And he was talking to the interviewer about what it was like for him to go through rehab. And he said, you know, we tried to keep everything down low because people found out that Dick Van Dyke was an alcoholic. He might not work again. And he said, just kind of almost, you know, with without even thinking about what he was saying out loud, he says, you know, nowadays, if I weren't an alcoholic, I don't think I'd have a career because it seems like everybody identifies so much with your pain and they think that that's kind of mm-hmm. normal. You know, you go through the painful thing, mm-hmm. you get a little rehab or whatever and go on. And the Hollywood version of your story, Jenny Levitt, is that Jacob pulls through, that Caleb, you know, doesn't have the problems that he does, that your stage four cancer puts you with a pink ribbon on walking in marches and saying, hey, I beat this and, you know, whatever. And the reality mm-hmm. is, I love the way you describe your walk with God as a dark road. You know, I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's not that rainbow sunshiny road. Talk, talk about what it's like to know that you have the light to, you know, the lamp into your feet, the light into your path, but there's still days, if not 
the best way to describe your walk with the Lord right now is it's a dark road, but he's my light. Mm -hmm. I remember not too long after the accident. um, It's funny how um, when you go through things, you know, if you've been a, which I know you've been a Christian for a long time, but anybody who's been a Christian for a long time and has actually read scripture, you know that there are times when you've read the same passage 10 times and all of a sudden it takes on a different meaning or something jumps out. And I remember Psalm 23, which most people, even if you're not a churchgoer, they know the Lord is my shepherd. You know, they know that one. And I remember when, um, after the accident, I got to the part where it talks about him walking with him through the valley of the shadow of death. And I remember thinking, that is what this part of our life feels like, mm. but you're walking through the valley right. and not, you're not staying there. You know, you're, you're going to walk through the valley. And when I became a Christian as a teenager, one of the very first scriptures that, um, that God gave me to hold on to, and I didn't realize at the time that's what it was, was that he will never leave us or forsake us. And the kind of the combination of those two really helped me through um, that first initial, like, why, God, why am I in this dark valley? Mm-hmm. And, and then just holding on to the fact that he will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. And right. like you said, you know, the Psalms took on a whole new meeting. When you read through the Psalms, there are so many times when they are just real people. They really yeah. had questions. They really... What I love about them, though, is they'll start out, like, really questioning and sometimes angry and, you know, uh, even like, God, judge my enemies, kill them all, you know. Sure. By the end, by the end, they've turned that and they can find the goodness and find the praise and, um, like you said, find that light for just the next step. Sometimes it is only that next step, you know, mm-hmm. and when you're really overwhelmed with grief and trauma and the unexpected shocks of life and everything. I've, I've told people before, sometimes you just have to take it, not just a day at a time, but an hour at a time and let God illuminate just that next step. What's Hmm. the next right thing to do right now? Hmm. You know, just that one next thing. Yeah. I love that. That is so, it is powerful. It's strengthening and encouraging, but it also does not minimize the pain. Uh, that you and your family have gone mm-hmm. through. Jenny Levitt is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She and her pastor husband, Myron, have a, an amazing story about a couple of sons, a cancer survival, uh, life-threatening and life-ending car crash. Uh, it's remarkable to, to read this and even just to be having this conversation right now with her. Her book is called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God in the Shattered Pieces of Life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970. 
800-696-9970 or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Jenny Levitt is my guest, and uh, we're taking a look at uh, what's up at thebottomlineshow.com and having a listen to a conversation I had with her not too long ago about her book called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God and the Shattered Pieces of Life. I know this is a Good News Friday day, but it's nice to have a giveaway to share with you at 800-227-5278. And Jenny's book is encouraging. This is why it's, it's the good news about the good news. Because you know, nobody wants to be an expert on sorrow. Nobody wants to be an expert on how to survive when a loved one dies of cancer. Or, you know, I mean, literally, you've got the enemy coming at you and all you've got to offer God is the shattered pieces of those dreams, those realistic, uh, these, uh, those expectations that will never be realized. And yet when Jenny Levitt and her husband Myron uh, made it through Jenny's stage four cancer diagnosis, They didn't think they'd have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death here with regard to their son. And yet, this is what they discovered. They discovered that in the shattered pieces of life, sometimes God is more present, more visible, and more evident than he is when everything, quote-unquote, is seemingly all together. And so we take a look at the word peace, the irony that we see in uh, uh, in the New Testament, you know, shalom in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's a reference to God giving us peace because you have everything you need. You know, we were created to be perfect in the Garden of Eden. Irene in the New Testament is literally a reference to taking all the broken pieces all around you and gathering them up and putting them together, making, you know, bringing them to order, if you will. And so Jenny understands that. And she wrote about it in her book, God Prince. And if you've ever gone through something catastrophic like this, you need this book. I'm sorry we only have one copy of the book to give away. You're going to have to hustle. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, the conclusion of my conversation with author Jenny Levitt in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Jenny Levitt is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, a truly remarkable woman, pastor's wife, a mom, cancer survivor, and author of the book called God Print, Finding Evidence of God in the Shattered Pieces of Life. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Jenny, I really appreciate your candor, not only in our conversation here, but also in the writing of the book, uh, God Prince, because you as a stage four cancer survivor, uh, your son's being involved in an auto accident, one of them that ushered uh, your son Jacob into heaven, and the other one that set your son Caleb on a pretty remarkable journey of surviving and just a whole uh, slew of medical challenges. Um, you're... You and your husband, Myron, are still together and still smiling. Uh, what what has this, what kind of impact has this had on your marriage? I'm not going to say how has it changed you, because how could it not change you? But, but what kind of impact mm-hmm. has it had on your marriage with him? Well, when when the accident happened, we were over the youth ministries um, at our church. And um, at three months before the accident happened, a young girl, seven years old in our church, had just uh, passed away from brain cancer. And mm-hmm. we had just sat down with the parents and, you know, we've been in ministry in some form of ministry for decades. And we sat down with them and basically warned them marriages that lose a child, you're going to have to fight for the marriage. You know, the odds are not in your favor. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to make choices knowing that I need to, I need to make this a priority. I need to make this relationship a priority. So then 
three months later, we lost Jacob. Mm. And that was one of the very first things that we talked about within the first couple of days. I don't know, that whole time's kind of foggy. But we talked about it and we were like, we are going to have to make the choice to recognize that our marriage, if it's going to survive, it's going to take work. And and it did. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There were some very, shall we say, heated discussions, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sometimes and just things that come up. And um, I kind of liken it to if you have cracks in your relationship before a traumatic event happens, those cracks can become chasms um, mm. if you don't pay attention to them and work on them. Um, and then you top that off with just the fact that men and women are completely different anyway and grieve right. differently and think differently. And um, it can really lead to some serious disagreements. And you have to make that choice that I'm going to find help. I'm going to seek out answers. I'm going to talk, uh, whatever we have to do to work through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will tell you, I'm so, so, so grateful for some of the um, they're almost like mentors, the older couples that have lost children a long time before we lost Jacob that reached out to us. And some of them have become dear friends because they've showed us that it's possible to not only survive, but to actually grow closer um, mm-hmm. through something like this. And that's actually one of the reasons why I did write the book, because I want people to know that it is possible Um it definitely, definitely is easier with Christ mm-hmm. because at least you always have him in common. You know, you can always reach towards him and he'll help both of you, mm-hmm. um, you know, to come together and find agreement and find solutions. Wow. That's that's great counsel from Jenny Levitt today here on The Bottom Line. Her book is called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God and the Shattered Pieces of Life. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, now, where you find yourself in 2023, you find yourself as uh, a parent still, uh, a proud pastor's wife. You're still ministering to people with the uh, the reluctant ministry that you've uh, uh, been given. Do, how do you deal with the moments where there's a temptation, I'm sure, to say, wow, God, I've been through a lot. You know, we had the one son who's now with you, the other one who had the traumatic uh, injury in the same accident, my cancer, the stresses, the strains, the financial pressure, all of that stuff. Um, and yet you described yourself as being a happy pilgrim on a dark road that has enough light for you to take the next step. How How, how is Jenny Levitt doing right now? I'm doing well. Um, <laughs> it, it takes work, even if you're not going through a traumatic event, like even just uh, I don't want to say just, but even the whole world, when we went through COVID these last couple of years, you know, there are a lot of people oh, yeah. that are, that haven't been lost a child and they're going through some, some mental struggles and, um, you know, some suffering of their own and, and it will, it'll take work, um, to work through any anxiety or stress. Those kind of tend to be my, my two things that I have mm-hmm. to, you know, really watch for, um, But the the biggest thing is, as a believer in Christ, we have that hope that that there is coming a day when all evil, all suffering, all loss is going to be made right. Um, And we we have that hope that this world is not all there is. And if we keep seeking Christ first and 
keep doing what we know we need to do, sometimes the feelings were not there, you know, as I was going through, especially some of those dark um, valleys that we were talking about. You know, sometimes those feelings are not there, and it's really easy to be like, God, where are you? I do not feel you. I don't see Mm -hmm. you. Um, But if we can hold on to the promises that we know are true, we'll come through those one step at a time and be able to cling to that hope. And that that was why I said a few minutes ago that it's so much easier when you have Christ, because at least we, we, I, have that hope, you know, that um, it's too much to go into right now, but God led us to a poem that Jacob wrote that he was not, he was not a writer, mm. um, where in the poem he had wrestled through God with God. He knew he was a sinful man. He didn't feel worthy. And then in the very last end, the last two stanzas of the poem, he talks about dancing on the streets of gold and seeing his fa- Savior face to face. And as a mom, that... <laughs> That brought such peace to my heart that I knew Jacob wasn't just playing around with Christianity. He wasn't right. just going to church because his parents or his dad's a pastor. You know, it's too too easy for kids who are raised in church to get like that, you know, but that he had actually wrestled with those things. And so I do. I have hope that I will see him again. And I, I have that. hope that if I just keep keep laboring while it's day and while we still have light, that one day it's going to be worth it, and in the meantime, God gives us peace and joy and His Spirit to help us while we still have to walk here on this earth. I'm talking Thank with Jenny God. Levitt. Yeah, praise God. I'm talking with Jenny Levitt today here on The Bottom Line about her book called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God of the Shattered Pieces of Life. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Got about 90 seconds left in our conversation. Jenny, what have you learned about God through your trials that surprised you? Or maybe even as you were writing this book and kind of reliving the cancer, reliving Jacob's fatal car crash. I mean, as you had to walk down those roads, what what surprised you about your relationship with him? What really surprised me the most is I sat down to, um, at first I was just going to write about our journey through the accident because my husband already actually, since he's a pastor, he already shares our story um, multiple places. And people would ask us for the rest of the story. But then I started thinking, you know, God was preparing us way before the accident. Um, And my husband, Myron, and I would talk about it. And there were lessons that we learned through the cancer and through all the hard times of our lives that when we really stopped to think about them, we were like blown away that God knew in 2015 we were going to lose Jacob. And he was giving us those those glimpses of, of his faithfulness, his provision, um, whatever it was. He was giving us those things to hold on to, like reference points, that when the greatest trial of our life came, we could look back and say, okay, God was faithful and brought me through stage four cancer. He provided mm-hmm. everything we needed. He brought us to the doctors we needed. You know, he did everything. He took care of us. He's going to take care of us now. That's just one example. But when I sat down to really write the book, I was just amazed at how many things like that I could think of, where I was like, wow, he really has prepared us, and we just didn't even know it. That's kind of where the name came from, that we could see his his handprints, his hands on our lives preparing us when you look back. You know, a lot of times when we're going through things, we don't see that, but then we look back and we can. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm glad that you took the time to be reflective and maybe that will inspire. Well, I'm sure it will inspire many of our listeners who get a hold of this book, God Prince, to look at their own stories and see the places instead mm -hmm. of focusing on the, like you mentioned earlier, some people kind of get stuck when they go through a trauma and you want to see them move on. And I can think of people, I know you know people too, that have had that situation, mm -hmm. but your story is such an inspiring one, uh, even with the catastrophes, even with every reason to take a step back or to step away from God and say, well, if you were a loving God, you know, my son would still be here and I would have gone through cancer and mm -hmm. that type of stuff. I mean, but you're here and you have this testimony and mm -hmm. we're so grateful for it and really inspired by it. Uh, Jenny Levitt, the book is called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God and the Shattered Pieces of Life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jenny, thank you for telling your story and for sharing it with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, that is a, that's a real eye-opener, and it's, it's mind-boggling how many people have gone through the same kind of pain that Jenny Levitt has, and yet everybody who goes through it um, goes through you know, a slightly different set of circumstances. Nobody has the same painful moments, but uh, when they see uh, you know, how other people have suffered, I think that's when true Christian harmony and unity uh, comes together. A brother is born for adversity, the Proverbs tell us. Uh, Jenny Levitt's book is called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God in the Shattered Pieces of Life. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have a copy of the book that we're giving away right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have one copy of the book called God Prince, Finding God in the Broken Pieces of Life, 800-227-5278, uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, uh, of course, we've been keeping tabs on what's been happening in Maui um, and the uh, uh, the Lahaina uh, part of the, the island uh, majesty, there, majesty, majesty there that has just been uh, devastated by these fires. Um, on the other side of this break, I want to talk about some good news that's coming out of there, specifically a miracle of sorts. When you consider that um, so many people have been impacted by wildfires and even the governor of Hawaii said, hey, look, I mean, this is a, you know, we, we're, we're used to uh, hurricanes of water and wind and this, that, and the other thing. Now we have to get used to hurricanes of fire. I do have some comments on that to share, but in the middle of all that, or in the midst of all that, a miracle has taken place. Uh, there are lots of them that we'll hear more and more about, but this one I think is is noteworthy for a variety of different reasons. And so we're going to take a look at that one on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process. It's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. Praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com slash cover and let her take up your spiritual battle. 
My thanks again to Jenny Levitz, the author of the great book called God Prince, Finding Evidence of God and the Shattered Pieces of Life. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and perhaps you can relate. You get a cancer diagnosis, you and your spouse battle it through, uh, you walk down that road, you are declared cancer-free, and you're thinking, okay, we've been through the worst of it, and then the phone call comes, and you find out that in this Jenny's case, both of her sons had been involved in a traffic accident. They were hit by a drunk driver. Uh, her 17-year-old son immediately entered into the presence of the Lord, and her other son is clinging to life with catastrophic injuries, traumatic brain injury, etc. And there has to be that moment where you say, God, why, why us? Why me? Why, why did this happen? You know? And, um, and uh, Jenny's book is so compelling, and her story is so uh, poignant and powerful. Uh, that I really, I wish I could give everybody who called in to take a copy of this book. We do have one here on this Good News Friday. So uh, we'll let the feeding frenzy begin. Give Crystal a buzz at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number that gets you through to the bottom line. Of course, as the death toll in uh, Lahaina uh, went up over 100 and the number of buildings damaged, if not completely destroyed, just kept going up and up. Um, our hearts were breaking, of course. I mean, trying to figure out, I mean, my logical brain, I, the, I, I'm not really good with the science side of things. I mean, I, I think if I really was, were interested in it, I would do well with it. I'm just not interested in it. I mean, I, when people said, hey, your daughter Kaylee just earned a PhD in biokinesiology, how come you don't have one? It's like, well, because I don't like science. <laughs> I could do it. Same thing with music. I love playing music. I like singing music. Never enough to study to get a master's in education like my daughter Emily or a master's in fine arts like my son Jake playing the trombone. I mean, that's, that's just not my style. I didn't have, I mean, I like playing tennis, but never had the discipline that my daughter Taylor has to, uh, you know, to put in the time. And of course, her mom was a huge stabilizing and driving force behind that. And to achieve uh, basically player of the year two years in a row in her first two years of Division One tennis. I mean, just uh, now running a little academy. I mean, this, the, you know, that there's, there's that passion that says, you know, uh, you're good at this, you should pursue it. And then there's that drive that says, okay, maybe I've got the ability, but I want to do more with it because I'm just so, you know, dialed in. Didn't have that, but one of the things I do possess, and I think a lot of us do too, if we're really honest with ourselves, is we look at the, uh, the how and the why, uh, compared to just the what what happened in hawaii was there was a there was a super dry weather there was a fire that started somewhere and these really strong winds that blew it all over the place and so you know there are some who are trying to blame it on climate change or whatever and other people are saying wait that doesn't make any sense i mean everything in hawaii is so lush and so green and how could that stuff spread and maybe there was foul play and i and i always hang on to that I mean, I really, really do. This was the deadliest wildfire in over 100 years. Over 100 people killed. There were 1,000 people who were missing. I mean, you're, you're, uh, the, the governor, Josh Green, has, in fact, asked the uh, Hawaii Attorney General to open up a comprehensive review of uh, the state. I mean, take your pick from the statewide outdoor warning siren system that is in place and failed. So people weren't warned. Uh, the fact that this happened and the governor referred to it as a, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, it was a hurricane of fire. Uh, you know, if you've been to Hawaii, been to any of the islands there, you know how lush, how green it is and how not conducive it is to a fire spreading that rapidly. Something 
tells me that there's foul play afoot that and, and ultimately not this is not the see i told you so you know type of thing but rather the hey we need to know this is just i mean there are people's lives who are lost there are businesses that were damaged as a result of this and i know you're saying okay come on raj good news friday when do we get to the good news part i, I i'm almost there okay <laughs> almost there this is something that um that is really important for us to to pay attention to as to when something like this happens what stands and what doesn't um i'm a firm believer in that god is omnipotent and omniscient um omnipresent there is no way that anything happens i mean scripture tells us that nothing will happen undetected by god you know he makes sure that the that the sparrow is fed he makes sure that the lilies are clothed i mean that it, god, i really do believe god is not in the hands-off mode set it and forget it and i'll see you in a couple thousand years that he's really involved and he really cares about that stuff and the more my wife and I have, we've purchased a couple of homes since we've been married, but bought one, sold it, bought another one, you know, and getting their new homes. So they need to be decorated and all that stuff. There are so many gazillions of details. And I'll be honest with you, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I don't, not the way Lisa does. Lisa down to the nth degree. And I have learned so much from her about God through this whole process that I know that all the small details, I mean, God is in the details, not just the devil. I mean, we use the devil as the, you know, well, <laughs> here's where the real problem is. So we back to Lahaina, back to Maui, for example, I pay close attention when there's a natural disaster to who's involved in it. As we were just talking with Jenny Levitt, you know, and, and why would this happen? Why would a drunk driver hit a car that her sons were in and one son would die that way? Why would God allow that to happen? Well, I mean, uh, you can look at that one of two ways. Either A, God said, uh, you know, well, this is sin, and this is what happens when sin happens, and I knew he was going to die in a car crash, but I mean, I knew he was going to die at this age. I mean, I want him home at this point. But maybe people are getting escorted into heaven. No, I can't say that. I can't even say that. We are born in our appointed time to be born, and we are taken out of this life in our appointed time to die. And the dash part, the in between your birth and death date, is what you know is is what we give back to God in terms of based on what He's given to us. So yeah, I mean, I, why wouldn't God allow for a spectacular fiery crash? I mean, that that's the way the world that's the world's currency right now but but think about what happened in hawaii why is it that some buildings and businesses were completely devastated some people lost their homes and others didn't here's a case in point harvest christian fellowship harvest kumalani, kumalani excuse me it's a congregation that's a, a, a sister church daughter church if you will of pastor greg Laurie's harvest christian fellowship it's in the network even though 2000 structures were destroyed by fire or damaged by the fire in Maui. And more than 100 people died. Uh, and even members of that church, you know, had suffered some losses caused by the wildfire. The church itself is still there. Uh, Josh Morris is the executive director of Strategy and Advancement for Harvest. He was born in Hawaii. And he told the Christian Post in an interview, uh, they did an email interview. He said, the fires have been completely devastating to several members of our congregation. There are several people who lost their homes, many more who have uncertainty as far as their employment goes just because the businesses got wiped out. Every member of the pastoral team has been impacted personally. 
and yet, you know, it, 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 and all that stuff. The, the, these are serving the community team members who basically are going on no sleep, doing everything they can. And yet, at the same time, this is interesting. He said, by God's grace, our church property of Harvest Kumalani has not been damaged. And so, quite frankly, he said, they've been able to set up a, a webpage where you can send relief, but they're also using the church, which is still completely intact, as a way for people just to have a place to kind of hang out. Now, um, there was, it was kind of a perfect storm that they're saying in terms of how this happened. You're saying, well, wait a minute, is it a hurricane of whatever? Um, I'll explain some of the weather-related things that happened here, but it makes it even more incredible that this church did not burn down in the Maui fires. We'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and last a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Barsh, just shaking my head. I don't understand how, I mean, the only answer you can have is because of God, right? Uh, Jenny Levitt, who was my guest earlier in this half hour, telling her story about the God prince in her life, um, the fact that she's a stage four cancer survivor and has a ministry now to grieving people who uh, have experienced what she did, literally just moments after finding out that she was cancer free, she got the call from the highway patrol that her two sons had been involved in a fatal traffic accident. Her younger 17 year old son killed instantly and her older son uh, would be battling with traumatic brain injury the rest of his life. And she wrote this book, God Prince, finding evidence of God on the shattered pieces of life to kind of encourage people who are going through that kind of thing. And um, we have a link for that. Uh, book up at thebottomlineshow.com and we have a copy of the book that we're giving away now until the top of the hour 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line the good news friday story out of maui it's certainly not that 2000 structures were destroyed it's certainly not that over 100 people I and mean, the death toll is now over 100 it's certainly not even that some of the largest churches around like uh uh, Harvest uh, Kumalani, which is the uh, uh, Greg Laurie's Harvest Christian Fellowship Network affiliate there. Um, every member of the pastoral staff had their homes damaged. Hundreds of people who attend the church on a regular basis either had a home damaged or their uh, local business was damaged, which puts their, um, their 
<laughs> they're everything in uh, at risk. And it was one of those things where there was a hurricane nearby, hurricane-level winds were blowing, a wildfire allegedly started, and this is where I hope that they do the investigational due diligence to see if there was arson, because this just does I mean, the winds I get, the heat I get, but the fires spreading as far as they did on Maui, it's just, it doesn't add up. But the fact that Harvest Kumalani, the property there, wasn't damaged at all, and they've kind of become a way station, if you will. They've set up a website. Um, they, they, they're helping uh, to get humanitarian aid, and it's just, it's amazing. Um, one of the local relief agencies is, help, is helping out, said this just looks like a war zone here. And why is it the emergency alert system, the big siren system there, didn't work? I mean, it just shut all the way down. I mean, that, something seems amiss. But the good news is, by God's grace, this church is still standing and serving as more than just a church facility. It's a beacon of hope for people who desperately need it during this difficult and challenging time. So, Father, we lift up the people on Maui uh, who have been damaged by the uh, fires in Lahaina. Uh, we are grateful that you have spared the facility to harvest Kumalani. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to use that place. I mean, it's a beacon of hope for people, not just for the physical, tangible needs that they have or food distribution or whatever else they're providing on site, but also just to let people know that they can come to this place that was built for your glory and experience your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for everything that you're doing there and will continue to do during this tragic time. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all God's people said, amen. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, another good news story, this one off the East Coast, with regards to people who are using their different respective faiths that aren't always Christian to come together for a common cause. What cause is that, you ask? Uh, it's the preservation of biblical standards for the family. And we'll talk more about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, or welcome back, depending on how you uh, look at it, because I realized that we, we kind of come at you in three different, uh, uh, well, it's kind of the trimester version, I guess, with 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. 30. It's a full 90-minute release. And we say this every day for our listeners on KLTT in Denver, uh, who get to hear a half-hour version of the Bottom Line Show from 2.30 to 3.00 every uh, Monday through Friday on AM 670 in Colorado, all throughout the state. Um, we've got a lot of folks who have started listening to KLDC, our Denver affiliate there at AM 1220, um, simply because they hear me talking about, you know, hey, it's 30 minutes here, but if you want the whole 90, uh, listen on KLDC. So if you're a Colorado listener and you're joining us on KLDC today because you heard me talking about it on KLTT, Welcome to the program. And for everyone else who listens on KBright and KNSN and KCBC and our uh, 94.7 in Modesto and 103.3 in National City and 100.7 in Corona, uh, thank you for tuning in to the Bottom Line Show today and every day, but especially on Fridays where we do uh, what we call Good News Friday. And Good News Friday is where we focus on the good news of the gospel, obviously, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And the beautiful thing about that good news message is twofold. First and foremost, 
We need to hear it every day. Martin Luther said, look, I preach the gospel because I need to be reminded. Um, secondly, though, there are people who are hurting and needing the gospel. And when we take away, we take away political divisions and economic conditions and things of that nature and get right down to the brass tack, the most important need that everybody has is the gospel. They need to know that there is payment for their sin, that there is a reprieve from the penalty that is due them. I was listening to a song by one of my favorite 80s Christian bands called Idle Cure. And uh, they had a song on an album of theirs that uh, uh, came out, I want to say in the early 90s. And the song is called Living Water. And, and the chorus, the, the singers sing, I just want to drink from the well of living water, not the cup. You know, better that than the cup that bears my name. I, oh boy, that is a powerful lyric. And how many times do we in the culture right now need to hear the good news of the gospel and be reminded that Jesus did come to pay the penalty for our sin? He died to take away the sin of the world. But then us individually, since we're all going to have to give an account for the way we lived our lives, we each of us need to have claimed that saving grace for ourselves. Uh, we, we, there, there's the universal, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for all sin. So, you know, people want to get into splitting hairs. Did Jesus just die to, you know, did he take away all sin and therefore is everybody saved? Or did he pay the penalty for sin, and so therefore, you know, we still have to, you know, we still have to make a quote unquote decision for Christ. And then you get some people saying, "You can't, uh, you know, whatever," and um, they, you can't, you can't t t make this universalist claim. Here's the way I understand it. And my dear friend, uh, guy I went to high school with, that didn't know him in high school, I uh, got to meet him at church years ago, and then uh, uh, we both were ordained in the ministry at the same time. And uh, he's a great man of God named Rob Warren. Uh, Rob runs, a, actually he, his dad started a real estate uh, property management company when Rob was in college, I believe, and uh, Rob took it over and has been running um, the name of the, and I, for life, we can't remember the name of the company, but they, they did property management. And then when the economic downturn happened in 2008, 2009, a lot of their clients were literally jumping out of buildings. And so they wound up, well, figuratively jumping out of buildings. So they, they went ahead and took uh, they wound up buying some of the properties and now they have a company with 200 employees and they, they just do great work and rob preaches every now and again but he said the way i you know there's that whole universalist dilemma that people get into over whether or not jesus death on the cross pays the penalty for all sin and so therefore since jesus paid the penalty we're all going to heaven or you know some people who are you know in the the uh a Unitarian model would say, might say, well, uh, the Christians are going to heaven and the uh, Islamists or the Muslims rather are going to Mecca. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure where the Jews are going. Maybe they're in a different part of heaven. And that, that's what the argument they would make. But, you know, there's certain things we can look at with regard to the good news that I think are important. And this is a bit of a sidebar before we get into this uh, next Good News Friday story. And the sidebar goes something like this. Um, when we as Christians receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, what we're doing uh, for those who are of the Jewish persuasion that said we're still waiting for Messiah and we're keeping through the Old Testament law, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus says, you know, basically I'm doing something new. Um, he says this cup, which he's basically celebrating the Passover with his Jewish disciples, uh, Jesus Christ being, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, Jewish carpenter, is saying, look, here's the deal. The old covenant was Torah obedience. You obey all of God's commands, and there are many, 
and God will bless you. And if you disobey them, he will curse you. And one of the commands was to celebrate, you know, there were three um, uh, feasts, major feasts every year. One of them was a Passover and Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, on what we now call Palm Sunday. And he celebrates the Passover with his disciples, gets a little bit of a head start on everybody else for the sundown part. And then said, they're, they're saying, look, um, part of the Passover Seder is you have to take a look at the different, you know, there's the cup of, uh, of judgment and whatever. Jesus holds up that cup of wine after literally handing out the bread, breaking the bread. He would blessed it, gave us to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. And many people would say broken for you. But the thing about Jesus' body, it wasn't actually broken. Not one bone in his body was broken. For all the physical torture he went through on the cross, he did not break a bone. That fulfilled a prophecy. But his body was given for us. His blood was shed for us. His death on the cross, in the same way that any other crucifixion was meant to pay the penalty for a sin, Jesus' crucifixion paid the penalty for all sin which is why the thief to his right on the cross, also dying that same kind of death, could say and, and ask the, make the request, uh, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus could say, today you'll be with me in paradise. What happened spiritually between those two is that the man, the thief on the cross, recognized his sinful nature, recognized that Jesus had the power to forgive his sin and enter him into, bring him into paradise. He said, look, I don't want the best seat in the house. I just want to be in the building. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. In other words, you will be entering into that eternal rest. No baptism, by the way, no special classes, no fulfilling of seven sacraments. He just, you know, went right to, or two, depending on where you go. And so back to Rob's illustration, there are a lot of people who believe that Jesus' death on the cross basically just, it's kind of like a, kind of like a rainstorm. Uh, in an area that's got a lot of smog in the sky and that the rainstorm and the winds come in, rain comes down, winds blow away. And now we got a clear blue sky and everybody gets to benefit from it. But scripture is pretty clear that it is appointed for every individual once to die and then the judgment and the judgment will be for each of us individually. So universalist salvation doesn't seem to work. Now there are those who would say, oh, well, I went to seminary and we don't believe in substitutionary atonement. Well, why? I mean, that, that would be my question. I mean, if each of us is going to have to give an account for our lives, but we're claiming this kind of universalist, instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. My sins, and in the Lutheran church you say my sins, and they are many. But Rob put it this way. He said, look, you know there's money in a bank, right? Every bank has money on hand. I mean, they, they have to. If, you, if they... If there were a run on the banks, there'd be chaos to the culture. There, there's money in the bank. So if we drive by a bank and we see the sign that's open for business, I could look at you and say, hey, you know, there's $10 million in that bank in cash. And you'd say, yeah, you probably is. Maybe more. I don't know. You know, maybe there's some gold and coins, this, that. And the other thing, people have safe deposit boxes. That's what they've got. And we would agree that the bank has money. And we would also agree that if I, you know, had a check that was drawn on that account, I could transactionally go and say, I'm take it, you know, big bank of, you know, the United States. And I take my paycheck there. And when I take that check, they'll give me exactly that amount because that's the transaction. But what if I told you that that bank has a massive account with an endless supply of money in there 
for me or for you. And all you have to do is go in there and establish your account to get the money. What would you do? You'd say, bye, and you'd head over to the bank, right? Because you want the money. You want what's there. You want the treasure that's waiting for you. That's your gift of salvation for you. When you say yes to God, we understand first and foremost, you're not doing it because you woke up this morning. Yeah, I can wake up every morning, most of us can, and say, man, I need a shower. I need to brush my teeth. I mean, I stink. I got to do something about that. Sometimes you maybe work in a job where you can get away with that or you're retired. It doesn't really matter. But we get up and there's certain basic hygiene things that we have to keep doing that each and every day. Salvation isn't like that. You don't wake up in the morning one day in your own power and say, wow, I got bad breath. I need a savior. The power of the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, hey, you have sin in your life and there's no way you can reconcile this before God. And God's holy. He wants a relationship with you, but not in your current condition. This is where progressive Christianity, I think, really misses the mark. They look at people who are living in direct rebellion to God, and they say, you know what? God welcomes you. God accepts you just as you are. You don't have to change. You can come forward. Well, you can come forward with the understanding that God loves you just as you are and loves you too much to leave you that way. Hence, the good news is you don't have to be stuck in your sin for the rest of your life because God so loved the world and you and me that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, places your faith and trust in him that he paid the penalty for your sin. Well, you're not perished, but have everlasting life. And that that is truly good news. And that is one of the principles upon which our nation was founded. Now, I know there's some people who might argue the timing and they might argue the tactics, but nonetheless, it is interesting to see how one of the ways the enemy is trying to destroy not only our nation, but also the, uh, just the, the fabric of society is by destroying, by questioning, questioning things like gender and sexuality and things of that nature. And how many people are actually falling for it? Well, it's interesting because uh, there are a lot of school districts now that are trying to be quote unquote woke and they're trying to um, you know, include transgender ideologies and LGBTQ lessons and stuff that's put in textbooks, et cetera, et cetera. Very interesting to see how many of these uh, parents now are starting to fight back and they're using their faith as part of the argument. Um, Maryland and one school district there, the Montgomery County Public School System, they're facing a lawsuit right now, but this is a lawsuit that is different parents from different religious backgrounds. You've got Christian and Muslim and Jewish parents all banding together and saying that the school district is basically trying to undermine the religious upbringing that their children are getting at home. We'll take a look at what this lawsuit looks like and why I think it's a good step in the right direction. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? 
After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, a great religious liberty case out of Montgomery County Public Schools in Maryland. And our friends at the Beckett Law Firm, they used to be the uh, uh, the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. Eric Baxter, who's the Vice President and Senior Counsel for Beckett, has been a guest on the Bottom Line Show before. Um, and he said there are a group of parents uh, there are students in the pre-K and elementary school levels that have been assigned books to read uh, or have books placed in the library that the kids could get access to and uh, that the, the parent, a group of parents have objected to. Now, these are books that are highly recommended, apparently, by the rainbow crowd, uh, the LGBTQ people. One of them is called Uncle Bob's Wedding, and uh, we can only surmise from the title that Uncle Bob's marrying a guy, quote-unquote, marrying. And another one called Pride Puppy, which, I mean, you can only imagine. Uh, kids love puppies, and the puppy, no doubt, goes to pride festivals and the, loves everything LGBTQ, apparently. A group of parents um, have objected to their kids being taught these lessons, and they would like to, now, again, please understand this. A lot of people on the progressive side of Christianity say, well, you know, if there's a book there and you don't like it, just don't check it out. You know, it's like the uh, the abortion argument that we used to hear uh, pretty passionately from leftists, which was, if you don't want an abortion, don't have one. That's not the point. It's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of like saying to someone who opposes the death penalty, if you oppose the death penalty, don't go to the shooting. I mean, I mean, it's it's silly. The idea that you would say, well, if you don't want an abortion, don't have one, but let other people have them. It's like, no, we object to the killing of an innocent human baby. And we're not just pro-birth. We're saying, oh, have a kid and then have a life of poverty or no education. You get involved with a group like Preborn and say, hey, wait a minute. We want to help from conception all the way through to uh, graduation, if you will, the end of uh, life here on earth. But it's interesting the number of parents who got together and they said, hey, wait a minute. I've got a problem with these books. Man, I've got a problem too. I got a And the, the, the parents began to realize, well, there are Christian parents here. There are Muslim parents here. There are Jewish parents here. They all banded together and formed a religious liberty group that, that they filed a religious lawsuit. They filed it back in May. The parents are demanding that the students have the opportunity to uh, you know, rely on their parents to determine which materials are they could be exposed to and which ones they want to opt out of. Now, notice I said opt out. This is something that leftists don't understand. Everything with the left, they'll tell you, is, you know, welcoming and inclusive. And we want everyone to feel loved and appreciated, this, that, and the other thing. But everything is mandatory. Everything has to go by their say-so. You Try to go to a progressive church and say, hey, you know what, guys? I want to be part of your progressive church congregation. You say you're Christian. I say I'm a Christian. But I'm really offended by the way you misuse scripture. You know what's going to happen? They're going to ask you to leave. And you know where they're going to ask you to leave? Or they're going to say, well, you got to get over yourself because this is the way we do it here. Now, there's a big difference between that and a Christian school 
that has a same-sex couple show up at the school and say, we have a daughter and we want her to go to, you know, we both went to church when we were growing up, want to have a good education. And the principal explains, okay, when your daughter hits age, uh, you know, grade four, grade five, we're going to be talking about the human sexuality class, which talks about reproduction and the way God intended for men and women to naturally reproduce. And we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about a biblical worldview of marriage. And we want you to understand that because we are a Christian school and we have deeply and sincerely held religious beliefs that's the way we're handling it and you'd be amazed at the number of gay couples same-sex quote-unquote married couples who will say okay that's fine that you know we're, we're living our life and our kids are seeing us the way we live our life but this is the way we want them to be taught all right well, that's fine but not so in the public schools. You notice the public schools, the parents aren't saying take the books out of the library. The parents aren't saying cancel the curriculum. The parents aren't saying don't teach the lessons. The parents are saying, if we don't like this stuff, we should have the right to opt our kids out. Now it's interesting because um, Eric Baxter of Beckett said that parents are to be notified by Maryland law or to have an option to opt out of their kids for lessons on family life and human sexuality if they feel that the subject matter is inappropriate. However, the district is arguing that this that requirement only applies to health classes, not English or language arts classes. So you can see where they want to play the legal game. Technically, these books aren't being read in a health or life science class. They're being read in language arts. They're being read in English. And so the Beckett Fund is saying, hey, wait a minute. You can't just define materials on gender and sexuality as part of an English lesson to work around the requirement. By the way, I got news for you. They've been doing it here in the People's Republic of California for 20 years, at least. I was remembering when both of my daughters, well, all three of my biological kids went to community college before going to university. And it's amazing how many times I would, you know, hey, dad, you know, you write for a living. Oh, okay. Can you take a look at my picture? Sure, I'll go. <laughs> go ahead and do it. Look at my paper. And they, I, I'd look at these papers and I'm like, wait a minute, this is your English class? This is your creative writing class? This is your language arts class for community college? Everything was political and everything was about gay rights in an English class. Basically, according to Eric Baxter at Beckett Fund, the law says any family life and human sexuality objectives, and there's no question that the objective is to promote a specific ideology on gender and sexuality. When the Christian Post asked Montgomery County Public Schools for a comment, they declined. Well, keep these families in your prayers. And please understand, too, that this is something that is impacting everyone, not just Christian families. And the number of Christians and Muslims and this could be, as we talk about spreading the good news of the gospel, this could be the type of situation that gives us in the body of Christ an opportunity to spend more time with our Muslim and Jewish neighbors and our non-religious neighbors or irreligious, I guess. And to do what? We'll share the gospel, of course. We, we relish those opportunities in the pro-life community. Atheist for life and secular pro-life and feminist pro-life. We don't sit there and go, oh, I'm not going to walk with them in front of the abortion clinic. It's like, hey, guys, I'm glad you're out here. Boy, we all believe in the sanctity of human life and life begins at conception. And, you know, where do you think that uh, conception starts? I mean, it's just, you'd be amazed at how creative God is when it comes to giving us opportunities to share the gospel. All right, we'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. Take a quick break. And when we come back, there's a pastor running for president and I like his style. 
I don't know if I'd necessarily vote for him per se, but I like his style. I'm going to tell you why. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and if you've not heard of Ryan Binkley yet, that's okay. Uh, this is a guy who says he's on a mission from God and uh, well, <laughs> guess what? The mission from God is that he says, God has spoken to my heart and I'm running for president. Now, now he states in his campaign address, he states some very basic fundamentals for our country. Our country's really falling behind, you know, with China lending money to countries everywhere from Latin America to Europe and Africa, and we are borrowing money from people like them. We've got to make some significant changes in our country financially, et cetera, et cetera. But it's interesting. He's running as a Republican. There are already lots of other Republicans running. He's been a businessman in the past and as a preacher. He says his faith is the distinguishing part, making him very unique as a candidate. Now, what's interesting is... He basically said, I think God's spoken to my heart and said, this is it. It's a mission field. And it's an opportunity for me as a candidate to, uh, to spread the good news. Now, check this out. You remember back seven years ago, well, actually eight years ago when the campaign began, there was a businessman who entered the very crowded Republican field and immediately wound up standing out in the crowd. You remember that guy's name? Yeah, Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Let's face it, President Trump, I mean, you, you know the guy's a businessman, he's a marketer. He ran for president because why not? What's the craziest thing you could imagine happening? Donald Trump running for president. All the free publicity, nobody believed he had a shot. Go back and listen to the Bottom Line show in 2015 after all the different debates and things like that. Listen to what I had to say. I haven't listened to it recently, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in there about Donald Trump's a crackpot. This is a, a publicity stunt, yada, yada, schmackety, yackety, backety, whatever. Okay. And, you know, the, the reality is, I think it was. And then what happened? Well, some people did get the joke. I think, I mean, I think he served our nation well as president, way better than anyone could have asked or imagined. But he did it for reasons that were probably more, you know, eternal minded for him than how do we solve the country? 
now he can't get enough of it. And quite frankly, I think he would do our nation a big service by not running rather than a disservice by running. But at Ryan Binkley's case, is he going to get any traction? Who knows? I don't want to say no, he won't. Seven years ago, I would have said there's no way. He didn't have a chance. But to have a guy who's been in the pulpit, who understands the business world and is watching what's happening to our country, saying, hey, you know what? If we don't get our financial house in order, there isn't going to be any more America left. I trust his heart for this reason. Understanding, of course, that the Lord is in fact coming back at some point. Understanding that we will be taken up. Understanding, of course, that America as we know it and the world as we know it will all pass away and God will replace it. Uh, basically, we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. And it'll be a lot easier because the country lines won't be drawn as quickly, uh, clearly and, 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 and decidedly as they are right now in terms of international boundaries. But somebody who can take a look at what we're doing right now and say, hey, we need to do everything we can to stand up to racism, to fight against uh, trafficking, to stop selling America to China, you know, th those types of things. Those are temporal situations that must be addressed biblically. But also somebody who has their eye on eternity saying, I know how this ultimately plays out. I think that's something that America would benefit from right now. So I mean, does Ryan Bankley have a chance to win as president? Probably not. But keep your eye on this candidacy and good to, for, to you or good for you for all the men and women of faith who are running for city council and mayor and governor and uh, state legislature and things of that nature. Because as long as you understand the two kingdoms that we operate in, you know, the temporal around us and the eternal that sustains us, God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.